There's a new product we want to tell you about. We've got stories from the recently completed road trip tour, and our special guest today is one of the most regarded ambassadors of motorcycling in the Pacific Northwest. Stick around. It's all coming up on the Soundwriter Show. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by... The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, the Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com slash rally. Hi, this is Rich from Rich's Custom Motorcycle Seats, and welcome to the Soundrider Show. Now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Well, the bluest skies that you have ever seen here in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest at large. And, you know, we're rolling in after a gorgeous Memorial Day weekend. Tom, did you get a chance to get out and do any riding? Did you have some fun over the weekend? How did things go for you? Uh, at the, Somewhere around the middle of March to the end of March, I clocked in 3,000 miles. Oh, wow. So I actually took the weekend off. And I actually like taking the weekend, the, the, the long, you know, the Memorial and then Labor Day weekends yeah. off in Seattle because there's like nobody around. It's true. And drive around the city. And it's one of my favorite times to actually ride around the city because you don't have so much yeah. stop and go, you know. And it's I, I, I always enjoy touring the city. Um, it's just kind of a cool way to see it. And Seattle's really a beautiful downtown area and some of the neighborhoods are cool to get out to, have an iced tea and enjoy life. But well, what's it like downtown on a holiday weekend? Is it busy or is it quiet? It's pretty quiet. It's I, totally bizarre. I don't yeah. know what happens. It's people, everybody leaves and nobody comes into the city. That's, you like. know, it's almost what it seems like, with the exception of Pike's Place Market area, of course. Yeah. But, you know, I usually don't take my motorcycle down there, except for early, early in the morning occasionally. I get yeah, down you would there. think, like, people from California would come and visit their, their relatives or friends in Seattle because, you know, it's not raining and right. it's beautiful, but and, no, everybody just leaves. Well, that's why their friends and their relatives, everybody always says, nah, it rains through Memorial Day. Wait, you know, don't come up here on Memorial Day. But, yeah, uh, for all you people, if this <laughs> yeah. is your first year living in Seattle, I hope you enjoyed this long, sunny weekend. Because it's going to start raining again. That's right. It'll be back. So. <laughs> but, you know, uh, speaking of some wild weather and some wild times, and you're 3,000 miles, what was uh, going on on road trip? That just went down last month. Catch me up on that. It was awesome. We uh, went out to Coeur d'Alene. We all met up. But uh, I actually had quite a few things occur on the way to Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. So uh, first thing that happened was uh, my starter switch uh, turned out to be faulty. Uh-oh. After 15 years. And uh, it wouldn't kick over every time I push it. So then I have to monkey around and floor a couple other switches. And I don't know. I just wasn't making contact. And then finally it would, and I could get it going. Now, were you on the NX? Or were I, you was on the- the, I was on the big scooter. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. I, decided to take, I decided to register the scooter this year and right. ride it around a lot. That's right. It's part of the rotation program. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then I got down to Leavenworth and realized that my battery was done. Uh-oh. So, uh, and this was on Sunday, and I pulled up in front of the Napa store in Leavenworth. Yep. They were open. Wow. Yeah, and the guy had my battery inside. Yeah, you got to like that. So, that was nice. Um, 
What else happened? Uh, I finally took that starter switch apart. Yeah. And I shot some WD-40 in on the contacts. Uh-huh. And then I loaded it with a little bit of lithium grease. It's kind of, you know, what, what, what some people would call dialectic grease. So this is the inspiration for this month's tips and tricks, huh? No. No? No, I'm giving you that one now. Oh, you okay. get the, you get the other one later. <laughs> I got you. Right. Well, no, but uh, for uh, the, in the article this month, right, that was uh, uh, tips and tricks was one of the things is using uh, WD-40 for uh, uh, to kind of fix the starter there, wasn't well, it? Well, that was the Facebook thing. Okay. And that was your bonus tip and trick. And then if you uh, click gotcha. through, you got the other tips and tricks. Right, right, right. Issue. But uh, you got it all fixed up. Was that the first time you've had a problem on that scooter? With, you know, I uh, don't have a lot of problems yeah. with that scooter, and it's got 60,000 miles on it. That's impressive. And it's, it's wonderful. It's still humming along. Um, so uh, it rained a bit on uh, Tuesday. Sure. We had to deal with that. Uh, we got down to Pullman, Washington, and there was a, there's a grain elevator that is just spookiest, weirdest, kooky thing. And uh-huh. I know you saw this picture on Facebook. I did, yeah. And, uh, and I told everybody, I said, if you're down there when I'm in the area – Pull the bike over because I want to take a picture of you riding by it. Right. And, uh, and, and of course, as we got closer, we're like, yeah, it's going to be raining. It's going to be raining. It's going to be raining. And I said, oh, you'll see. The sun will break when we get there. Yep. And sure enough, the sun broke, and I got a couple people riding by it. Really one of my favorite pictures that I've seen in a long time. I mean, that's a, that was a great, uh, great capture there on your, on your part. Yeah. And then uh, Tuesday night, we all got into McCall, Idaho, and uh, most of us walked over to the place for dinner, but one of our riders uh, he rode his bike up to the restaurant, and then we came out from dinner, and the bike had two inches of snow on it. Uh oh. <laughs> so unpredictable <laughs> spring weather in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, but you know, it's late season snow, and that means that it's not sticking. Right. Uh, they they hadn't uh, put the uh, snow plows in for maintenance yet, so they were running those still. Makes sense. So that was good. Um, the ride through eastern Oregon, it was excellent. Uh, going between, say, like Hepner, Antelope, Shanico. What kind of temperatures did you have out there? Uh, at that point, we were probably looking at 60-degree days. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, you're still running some heat. Sure. And uh, and you're still kind of bundling up. When we finally got down to Canada, it warmed up enough that uh, I actually had to peel off my my jacket. You know, my my Can't liner complain about inside. That, yeah, but um, did that, and then uh, we ended up on the last day. We had to go up to Goldendale, and I just set up a whole bunch of back roads to get there. Right, and some stuff that I don't think I'd been on before. Cool. But now I've been on it. And uh, out there exploring on the scooter, I like yeah. that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, what I did uh, the, the week after was I, I uh, uh, put everything back in the scooter mm-hmm. and I headed back to the gorge and I rode my butt off down there doing some serious work. I was putting posters up, yeah. And so, uh, I, I did every town between Bickleton and Bonneville. I did every town between Trout Lake and Malpin. So, if you're out there listening and you see this poster, you know, make sure you come, uh, come down and visit us in August then. Yeah. yeah. What, um, what was the inspiration for this year's poster? Because I really got a kick out of it when I first saw it there. Uh, I'm not sure which one you've seen. Have you seen the one with the helmets? I, with the wanted one, yeah. Okay. Yep. So, the inspiration was that, you know, they're full-face helmets. And that's the kind of people who come to our rally. True. And how do you make that clear to everybody so that somebody who likes to ride around with a half-shell helmet right. on a, on a non, 
Soundwriter rally type bike. Yeah. How do you let them know? So, That's right. you know, what better way? And, you know, the the group that we actually sanctioned this under through AMA is a group called the Northwest Full Face Riders. Oh, really? I didn't realize so that. So, you've got your picture of your sport bike helmet and you've got your picture of your dual sport helmet. Uh, anybody who is listening, want to go on Facebook, you want to print out a couple of those posters and put them up around it. Some of the uh, yeah, more mobile-friendly or... gas stations or let your club know, yep. put them at your local dealer. We can, we sure do appreciate any help you could give us on that. That's right. And uh, here at Soundrider, you know, we always like to think that soup bowl helmets are for just that, soup, right? Yeah. Get, get a new one, though. Cereal Don't bowls. use a used one, yeah. You know, one thing, though, that, I, that really caught my eye on uh, some of your Facebook posts was the Hodaka Museum. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. Okay, perfect. Uh, so... Also, you know, speaking of Facebook, we uh, it looks like you're doing some product development lately too. What do we got for uh, new products coming? Wait out a of second, we can store? talk about Hodaka now. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> that was part of the road trip tour. Right, that's what I was thinking. So yeah. we'll get back to. It. But yeah, I, you know, I saw the screenshot. It looks like this doesn't exist yet. Right, this is no. Uh, it's uh, it's a theater called the Gem Theater that's in downtown Athena, which is the home of where Hodaka was set up uh, way back in the seventies. Okay. And so they're they're going in and doing a renovation on the theater and uh, the building next door. Right. And the building next door is going to house a Hodaka museum. Uh, we were trying to find the original building that Hodaka was in when we were there, and we thought we had found it, but that turn it turns out it's not it. Interesting. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, the original building's a little bit around the corner and down the road to the north. Um, so, anyways, do we, do um, we, we put the anything? Facebook thing up, and yeah. a lot of people are energized and thrilled to know. And the people from uh, from the Gem Company, right? Uh, they put up a link to their Facebook page, cool. and so anybody who wants to know more about this Hodaka Museum that's on the horizon can find that through our Facebook page. Yeah, well, I'd love to know, you know, maybe when that opening date is, because that'd be a great sort of stop on the ride down to the Rally in the Gorge, right? You do a little lunch, maybe, and check that out. And then... if you were coming from, say, Idaho. Well, yeah, if you're coming from Idaho or if you're yeah. going to take an extra day, you know, I mean, there's, yeah, a, uh, true. there's a lot of different ways to get there. But it won't be open yet. Right, that's You okay. can just look through the window and see, you know, some carpentry going on. That's, sure. That's all you're going to see right now. Right, take your picture out front and, uh, you know, celebrate the good times. Anyway, it's uh, going to be really cool when that gets open. Uh, nice to have another museum here in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah. We can always use more. So now, now let's go to the product development, right? Because there's some there's some things happening here in the Sound Rider store. Bring me up to speed on that. Okay, so um, for for a number of years, we've carried some uh, dial style tire pressure gauges that are in line, All right? And we've carried some pumps that are pretty pricey, right? And the problem with those two items is that the chucks have never seated properly on the valve. So okay. once you connect it on, it hisses like a snake. Oh, boy. So yeah. I went to each of the manufacturers, and I asked them if they could please start putting on a locking chuck. Makes sense. Not a clip-on chuck that hisses like a snake. And uh, they told me, no, not going to do it. I said, okay, fine. So what I did was I sourced out the dial tire gauge manufacturer, and uh, now I'm ordering them, bringing them in, cutting off the um, the clip-on brass chuck, right. and then retrofitting that with a nice 90-degree thumb-locking chuck that works every time. Innovation at its best. And it's it's just a little bit more than the old ones. 
but it's peace of mind. Yeah, and no no air seepage. Once you get that uh, chuck no. lock down there, you're just Mm-mm. you're you're pumped and you're ready to go. Yep. Yep. And, and it, what uh, for the total package? What are we looking at at the Sound Rider store? You get the pump and the chuck for. Oh Lord, the pump we sell for forty three. Okay. This is a slime power sports pump. Right. Which, you know, people say, well, that's the El Cheapo one. Somebody told me that's the cheap one. Hmm. Well, I don't know. We've been using one here for 12 years. Right. We rotate between the expensive one and the, and the slime one. Yeah. And um, they've had about the same amount of time on the bikes, and we're getting better results out of the slime power sports pump. Well, at forty-two bucks over twelve years, you're looking at about three bucks, uh, three fifty a year. That's pretty good value, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, and you, you know, if you look at like a, getting a tire repair kit, a pump, and an inline gauge. Inline gauges are beautiful because you don't have to keep jumping back and forth. Yeah, you're looking at a little bit over a hundred dollars. So, and tire pressure is so important too, you know. I mean, getting oh that yeah. Right, so your tires are like the number one organ on your motorcycle. That's true. So you yeah. got to take care of them and keep an eye on them. You know, every every time you stop the bike, people you don't be pay enough them. attention to it. Definitely. So, so yeah, so that's happening. We're getting a lot of good response on uh, on the social media. We put up some posts on that, and a lot of people are like, "Thumbs up!" Finally, somebody did this. Right. And so uh, we're we're moving them through the store now. We're gonna have them at the uh, BMW MOA rally in Salt Lake City. Cool. And the other thing that we can do for people either you can ship us your pump or your your current gauge, or you can come see us at the MOA rally or any event that we're at this summer, and we can retrofit your pump or your gauge. Oh, nice. So it's I think it's fifteen bucks a piece to Can't do the retrofit. That. Yeah. I might even do two for twenty-five. You never know. There you go. Bring a friend. Yeah. Right. Um, when we do them, when we do them off-site, like if we're if we're not doing one in Seattle, that means we don't have our big tool to do the crimping. So what we have to do is take a portable crimp tool. Okay. And so it's not as pretty, but it gets the job done. Right. And it works, and you've and now you're not hissing anymore. And then you'll have it for your ride back from wherever you're going. So if you're down in Salt Lake City, oh, you'll or... have it for every time you yeah. use it. Yeah. Right out the gates, though, you know, you'll be able to take it. So that's going to be uh, an interesting time down there, uh, the BMW MOA rally in Salt Lake City. Uh, when does that take place? Do you remember? It's going to be in July. Okay. So coming up. And you're planning on heading down there, in right? July or June. I don't know. I have the date in front of me. Right. Coming up soon, anyway. Um, it'll be hot. Yes. And it'll we'll have evaporative cooling vests there. It'll definitely be hot. So we and can help you out. Yeah, those cooling vests, man, they work wonders. That's That's the truth. So yeah, it's the it's the middle of July. Right. That's right. Okay, coming up in July anyway. So you know, it looks like uh, if you you know maybe looking for some inspiration, you know, if you're not going to ride down to the MOA rally in July, hopefully we'll see you at the rally in the gorge in August. But you know, there's a lot of reasons to uh, to get out and ride. But sometimes it's fun to kind of reflect on uh, some of your motorcycle heroes. And I'm kind of curious what uh, if you have any. That uh, you know, over the course of your career, you look up to, or you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I started thinking about this because we're always looking for people to put in as guest speakers during the rally in the gorge. Yeah, and we've had some great people over the years. We've had you know racers like Reg Pridmore and Nick Einich there. That's true. We've yeah, we've had uh, some really great authors like Kem S- Clem Salvadori, yep. uh, David Huff. We've had some really great instruction people like Coach Ramey out of Oregon. Yeah. And I started to realize, you know, all these guys are like over 60, over 70, some of the legends, yeah. And who are the people's heroes that are like 50 or younger? 
And, you know, at one time, these guys were all 50 or, or younger, yeah, and sure. they were the heroes of people then. Right. But now, who's who's the heroes? And I put a, a little, I threw a little thing out there on social media, and really didn't get a lot of feedback. To be honest with you, I don't think that there's anybody out there. You know? I think this is sort of a um, uh, sign of where things are at now yeah. with uh, everything is so fragmented. And I don't think that people are, you know, there's a couple of racers that yeah. people like. But beyond that, you don't have, uh, oh, this guy's my favorite adventure travel guy right now. Yeah. He's my hero. Or this person is my favorite guy when it comes to how to pack my motorcycle. Right. Or this guy is my favorite, um, I don't know, motocross. Or, yeah. Or my favorite custom builder if I'm a cruiser guy. You know, I just don't. I, I, you're the, right. We're, we're not. We're losing our heroes. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. And that is, uh, that's a very interesting observation. And I, I can't, I'd be hard-pressed to name anybody under 50 that I would uh, – we would even classify in sort of a moto hero class. I think part of that, though, is just the saturation of information, right? I mean, there's just so many different places to yeah. pick up information along the way that you don't have to concentrate on one person's sort of uh, perspective or tale. You don't even have to rely on them as a resource. There's and a maybe it's the loss there. of the book market, too, where the yeah. book market has diminished so much that, um, you know, it used to be you could put a book out by a guy and everybody gravitated to it and yep. bought it. And people don't buy as many books as they used to. No. And part of the, you know, part of the appeal of uh, motorcycle travel, I think, is sort of the exploration aspect. But we're so plugged in with GPS now that we just – there's no sort of romance to it. Not as much romance to it in that respect. Oh, just throw that thing in the garbage right. and go ride. Hey, I'm a fan of that. You know, I, <laughs> I think it's great to kind of do the old uh, paper maps and just kind of go out there and not really know where you're going. But that's not the reality anymore. I was doing a ride early in May and uh, I got up to the first place I stopped at and realized, oops, left the cell phone at home. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. It took me like – Two hours to get revived from that. Yeah. But no, actually, it was really kind of nice because then I wasn't attached to anything all day. You know? Couldn't check my email, couldn't check my, you know, my social media or any of that jive. Yep. But uh, it was just me and the bike. They actually say that now uh, there are therapists out there that are specializing in when people lose their phone. Actually lose it, right? <laughs> now, this is no joke, right? And it's like they feel like they actually have lost like a sibling or something like that because they have all their, – their life is on their phone and they lose it. You know, I don't know. They drop it in the urinal or whatever, but yeah. they, they – They go throw to, it in the toilet right? sometimes. <laughs> yeah. They go and they, uh, they visit therapists for that. But I think a much better solution would be to spend the money on a new motorcycle or uh, maybe your first motorcycle rather than getting therapy. Yeah, phones are getting almost as expensive as motorcycles, right? That's pretty damn close. Yeah, I think well, you get an iPhone, uh, a new iPhone's like eight hundred bucks or so. Yeah, and then you get the earbuds that don't have any wires on them. Yeah, yeah that's right. It just keeps going up, like you, when you buy a bike and get all the accessories you, for it. You talk to a guy who's riding a DR three fifty from nineteen ninety six, and you're not that far off. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll have some news bites. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Adventure Motorsports, Stomish County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. Hi, this is Eric from Bell Helmets, and you're listening to the Soundwriter Show. 
Hi, my name is Butch. I ride a 2013 uh, R1200R Roadster BMW, and my favorite ride is over Highway 20 and into Republic for their uh, annual rally. Sound Rider Show. And of course, we've got some news bites for you here. A lot of interesting stuff happening in the world of motorcycling in the Pacific Northwest, including in our hometown here in Seattle, right? There's a new motorcycle-themed coffee shop. I saw some pictures. I was there during some pre-construction. The Wick in the Queen the Anne neighborhood. Huh? I mean, it looks, like a, it looks like a pretty stylish joint. What do you think? Well, I uh, I was having lunch one day, and I saw somebody with a hoodie on. Yeah. And on the back of it, it said, The Wick. The Wick, Motorcycles and Coffee, Seattle. I thought, oh, i got to go check this out. So I went down and checked it out. And it's right down there by the Moto Shed. That's right, yep. And, uh, you know, there's this whole fabric of motorcycling going on in Seattle. It's always been there. Mm -hmm. Of these sort of like retro cafe guys. Yeah. Three-quarter shell helmet guys. Sure. Um, and we, we, you know, we've, we've always had it here for as long as I've been here with, with clubs like the Cretans. Um, but this, this whole thing is getting big, bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, you got your backfire moto night. Yep. You got the wick, you got the moto shed, you still got the Cretans. You've got, um, a number of other shops around that are hip and cool for this type of stuff. Yep. And we're seeing a lot of customization too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, interesting watching it. And I think that we need to put together an article just kind of highlighting maybe the 10 places where this, where all this Yeah, where the happening sort happening. of do. Yeah, well, I think you're right, you know, and it almost seems like this is going to be maybe sort of the next uh, iteration of motorcycling, right? I mean, dual sports were really huge for a while, and now it kind of seems like the cafe racer are maybe uh, taking off a little bit more, and that's appealing to... So I think inside this group of people that's growing, there's a lot of novice riders. Yeah. Um, it's just some of them maybe have ridden for 10 years and they're still novices, but, True. but I think that there's people in there who are going to look at that and go, well, that's, that's cool. You know, I can go hang out on Wednesday night at backfire moto and show off my bike or go down and have a cup of coffee. But how many of these people are going to be like starting to itch, get the itch to really hit the road. And I think there's yeah. some, some people that we need to bring along, you know, obviously Soundrider is more of a, a, a you know, 500 miles a day on your bike, not a big deal kind right. of thing. And there's, there's people inside there that are the, the, I think you're right. Waiting, yeah, you know? I know where you're going. You know, But I would say one thing about this is a lot of the imagery um, is associated with travel, right? And I think that is a big thing that appeals – travel, at least in the larger sense, appeals to this demographic. But it's just making that transition. Making the connection. Right. And, you know – Getting the gear to go there too, because a lot of these guys are, you know, are riding in jeans and maybe even t-shirts or, you know, sort of hips. And some of them you'll never change. No, some of them you'll never change. You're absolutely right, but, but you know, I was thinking I'd like to go down to the wick. You know how I do my open sessions on tips and tricks, yeah. Where I just 
throw it out and people start talking and we start talking about what they need to talk about. I thought, I thought maybe I'd like to go down to the Wick someday and just do a, an open circle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from, from say like 10 to noon on Saturday or something and invite anybody who wants to come down and we'll just have a, we'll just have a conversation. Well, it's a great way to connect the dots too, because they may not, uh, you know, they may come down on their cafe racer and they might not know too much about touring. That'd be a great introduction. Uh, maybe more importantly, did you have any coffee down there? I didn't. Okay. Next time around, huh? Yeah. We have to find out if they have any tea for you. Yeah. (laughs) I could do a cup of coffee every once in a while. But, uh, no, it looks like a great place, though, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to getting down there. And you're right, though, about the tea. This time of year, like a day like today, I'd probably go for iced tea. So hopefully they have that. So uh, something else that's really been kind of uh, glaring over the last few weeks for me is realizing how big again and i know we talked about this we did an article about it how how much the flat track world is growing and um i've i when i was down doing my trip through the gorge i found a poster for flat track races at eddieville and uh, eddieville is a large motocross park uh, down on the southwest corner of Goldendale, Washington. Okay. And uh, they have, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a, a really like, a, like, a, like an 18, maybe an 18-mile track. No kidding. And it just kind of weaves back and forth through the wind, wind that turbines. That sounds like a fun time, yeah. Um, but now they, they have, uh, apparently some years ago, they built a half-mile flat track. Right. And uh, when they went to put up their race schedule, uh, another group came in and then d- decided to put their race schedule a day ahead of Eddieville on every one of their scheduled dates. Oh, so that kind of blew it for them, and they sort bit, of yeah. just walked away and said, well, forget this. Well, anyway, so Goldendale does this thing called the Festival of Wheels. And uh, so they will have, in August, they're going to have flat track racing for the first time down at Eddieville on a half-mile track. There's not a lot of half-mile tracks around. Right. And, uh, boy, I sure would like to watch a one-mile one because I haven't seen I, – I, I saw the ones at Emerald Downs back in the early 2000s. They were cool. With a mile? Do you think, feel like that's a sweet spot for flat track racing yeah, kind of? Because yeah, because you get those straights that you can't get on these half tra- – you know, right. a lot you of these are quarter-mile tracks yeah. are almost like a circle other than yeah. an oval. Where are the closest mile tracks around here to the uh, Seattle area? Well, Emerald Downs would yeah. be one. Horse tracks are, are, are a mile, so right. that's you know that's what you're looking for, and you won't find it in a lot of places. But it's, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, but it's you, you're right. We're seeing flat track. It seems like even through the winter, like every weekend, it seems like there's something out there. We're in the, at least the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, wait till we get to Counter. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna talk a little bit more about it. But, Loading it uh, up, but good. It's but great, we're happy you know? to hear that Eddieville's going to make a go at it for one one day this year. It won't right. be a whole series, but it's going to be good to see them back in action because it's a, it's rare you get to a half mile track. Well, you go down there, you support it, and then one day becomes two, and the next thing you know, it's a regular event. So it's uh, always important to get out there and uh, sort of vote with your feet, so to speak, right? Uh, yeah, vote with your hot shoe. Right. <laughs> well put, definitely. Well, speaking of heat, uh, down in Yelm, man, there was a, uh, a pretty interesting accident down there um, involving two riders in kind of a unique circumstance, right? So the one guy crashes, yeah, and the other rider rides into the back of that guy and crashes. But is that, does that surprise you? No. Should it ever happen? No. It's that people follow each other so darn close. They do. 
I had to put it in here because it's just a reminder to all of us. Let's let's spread out. Right. Don't be using that MSF two second rule jive. Spread yourselves out. Give four yourself or five a little space. Seconds. Yeah. You're not going to lose the guy in front of you. And if he hits a deer, you're not going to hit him. See, this is the main argument for lane splitting here in Washington, right? If he could have just went between the cars, it would have been all right. We wouldn't have been riding so close, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that one goes when they finally get around to passing it. Yeah, I don't didn't, think, didn't make it again this year. Yeah, I don't think we'll see it on the horizon at any time. But uh, it's it definitely... You're right about having some spacing there, and just as a courtesy, too, to the other person that you're on the share on the road with. Yeah, I don't want to be watching some guy in my rearview mirror all afternoon. Yeah. I want to be doing my own ride. And if I know that guy's five seconds behind me and I don't have to worry about it, I can have a much nicer time. He's having a better time. We're all And we're all riding our own line. He doesn't have to ride on the left because I'm on the right. Right. All this stuff that that goes along with group riding that makes it so dangerous. I'm with you. So try to make it entertaining back there. And, you know, also, if you're going to be out doing a lot of riding, maybe one place that you could ride even a little bit later than you were able to, uh, even earlier this month. It is some of the dealers because we're getting that time of year. They're going to keep uh, dealerships open a little bit longer, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. So um, make sure you're checking your dealer website for their hours because a lot of them had added extra hours. Some don't, uh, you know, open on on Sunday or Monday, and in the summertime, maybe they do. So check it. Yeah, but this is a great time to get out and support those local dealers. You know you need some new gear and probably some oil and that kind of stuff. So get out there after work and get prepared for the weekend so you can do some work and, you know, get well, out Well, you know, I'm thinking there's probably all these people on Memorial Day weekend who all of a sudden realize their battery was three years or yeah. older. Yeah. <laughs> I think the dealers are getting a business now. Man, it sneaks up on you in a hurry, doesn't it? Three years goes by just like That's that. That's about so. it. Or if you're looking for something maybe more adventurous, you could go over to Thailand and you could visit the new Harley Davidson plant. What? Uh, when? Did, where did this come from? I didn't hear anything about it's this. It's a headline on uh, on the news feeds. Okay, I must have completely. So they're going to open it, up but... a, a plant in Thailand. It's not yeah. open yet. You can't go. Okay, can't visit. So no. I gotta cancel. My I know you've been already. looking for some of those nice, tasty rats on a stick that <laughs> you can't seem to find at the night market here in Seattle. But not yet. You'll you're have right. to wait. What uh, what does this say about American motorcycle manufacturing? What do you think? Is this we're going to see uh, Harley? What does this Davidson? say about the new president? I thought that he wanted everybody to make stuff here and not go there. Well, maybe this is uh, have they broken ground? This and I could thought be... he was buddies with Harley Davidson because yeah. I saw that photograph with him on the White House lawn. <laughs> this could be a power play. Have they broken ground? Maybe that's what they're doing it for. Maybe oh. they're looking to uh, get some you know sort of financial support from the government to do uh, or a tax break or I mean I wouldn't... well see I thought you would have read this article so I don't really know anything oh, about God, it. I didn't but... see this one. Yeah. <laughs> What? Well, we'll do our homework on yeah, this, and we can we'll talk get, about we'll it. We'll get back to that next month. But I would like to know, though, if they start making bikes in Thailand, are they going to roll out anything that's maybe like 250 or 300 cc, maybe an intro level uh, Harley Davidson bike that they could, you know, uh, sell to the local market, but then also maybe use to introduce riders here in the United States market. That would be interesting. Yeah, we'll have to do our homework on that. Wouldn't right. be the first time they did that. You know, no. they got Aramaki back in the 60s and made the smaller bikes there. Yeah. It's the uh, Harley-Davidson Bangkok, I think, is what they're going to call it. Hmm. Right. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. We'll see, though. But that's an interesting uh, interesting little development in the American world of motorcycle manufacturing. Um, we got some more local stuff here, though. What, uh, so, yeah. So Jesse Murphy, he's been on the show with us before. He yeah. comes down and works on the Rally in the Gorge with the us rally, every year. Yeah. 
And uh, so he has purchased Cascade Motorcycle Safety, which is the outfit that has the contract with the state up in the Bellingham, Skagit area. So that's going to be interesting because Jesse's a little bit of a progressive guy. He's going to—I think—he's going to make some things happen. Well, you know, I'm thinking we talked about the Wick earlier and some of these cafe racers, people that are looking to take the next step in their motorcycling career. Is mm-hmm. there a better guy that you can learn from in the area than Jesse Murphy? I mean, he's a great—he's a great teacher. Yeah. So up to this point, Cascades only really kind of offered the MSF program right you know the the beginner class and the intermediate class sure and uh i think that we'll i i think the future in the future we're going to see some other editions of classes come in yep and he is a wonderful instructor uh comes up with really great curriculums for stuff definitely so uh, we're happy to have him back at the rally with us this year yeah great guy to be around too and he's going to be on the mary hill uh, clinic again this year down at the rally he will he's running the mary hill clinic himself this year can't beat that so, uh, and there's still some spots open. It's 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 filling up, but we still have some spots open. Sure. If anybody wants to get registered for the rally and then register for the clinic, yeah, and that's always a great add-on, especially if uh, you know it's your first or second time to the rally, you haven't had a chance to uh, take the Mary Hill Loops Clinic. Like I said, Jesse Murphy, one of the best in the business, so it'd be well worth the time and money spent. Yeah, and the clinic this year that he's going to teach is downhill cornering. Which a lot of people would like some help with. Yeah, well, I think everybody needs help with, right? I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, if you're a self-proclaimed expert out there, you might want to get another pair of eyes on it. So all the more reason to sign up. If I can't corner my motorcycle well going downhill, I just hit the guy in front of me. That's all I do. (laughs) At least in the Yelm area. I wait for him to crash, and then I crash into him. Right, and then maybe you say, hey, uh, sorry about that. Let me throw you a free T-shirt, right? Because uh, hey. we got some T-shirts uh, coming to the Sound Rider store we've been talking about for the last month. So the Joey's T-shirts are on press this week, and we'll be shipping them out to everybody who pre-ordered them uh, coming next week. Yeah. And then uh, we are going to overrun that shirt. Um, you can buy them all up now, or we'll take them to the rally, too. Yeah. So... Uh, well, they're great-looking shirts, and again, if you're not sure what we're talking about, you can visit uh, the Sound Rider store, or you can check out the Facebook page where it's currently the header, um, some fictional motorcycle, uh, Pacific Northwest motorcycle businesses. Trip your friends out. Right. <laughs> really, though, kind of a cool-looking shirt, uh, and hopefully more to come, right? We're going to see some more coming down. So now. I already have the concept for the next one. Great. Are you going to reveal here, or are we going gonna to do the pregnant pause and wait? Well, it's going to be a hundred years of motorcycling in the Columbia River Gorge. Love this! Can't wait to see it, man. I love the concept. Wisconsin, already. Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, Columbia River Gorge, Wisconsin. I'm talking about the one in Wisconsin. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, because it has to be fictitious, right? Yeah, May, or who knows? You know, maybe another hundred years. That's where we'll be doing it out in Wisconsin during the January months. Yeah, because California's going to fall into the ocean, right. so we got to move east. <laughs> Well, transitioning from a lighter note to maybe a little bit of a sadder note, we lost uh, kind of some legends uh, over the last month. Um, a couple of great uh, motorcycle legends and, and more. And right? a music legend. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, but back to the motorcycle legend. Nicky right. Hayden, everybody really broke everybody's heart. Um, that guy, speaking of heroes, yeah. but see, he's, he's a racer, so I was looking for stuff beyond it. But uh, but he has definitely inspired a lot of people. Sure. And he's – he. You know, he's a great racer, and when you're a great racer, you're a great entertainer. Definitely. And his brothers are all fantastic riders. Yep. So it's really 
a, a, a big loss. And, and a young guy, uh, too. Yeah. Yeah, 35. Yep. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing Tommy and Roger race again because I think that they're going to have a little bit of little bit more in them. Yeah, carry on the this legacy, This is going right? to kind of inspire yeah. them to, to, to even ride – you know, better. Right. And so. now, and Nicky wasn't on his uh wasn't on his motorcycle. No, he got hit on his bicycle yep. in Italy. Right. Shame. You know, you think all the times, you know, they always tell, Oh, you're gonna get killed on that motorcycle and then you end up getting hit on I your know. bicycle. That's just another reason. You just gotta get out every day and try to enjoy your life and uh you know, I like to think that motorcycling is part of that for many of us, probably all of us listening, but you never know. So every day, right? You gotta you gotta live it to the max. So way back in, uh, I think it was 1972, we lost a, a guy to a motorcycle crash. It was uh, Dwayne Allman. Yep. And then I woke up on um, uh, Sunday Memorial Day weekend, and then I find out that Greg Allman yep. died. The legendary Allman Brothers. Yeah. Yep. So um, great, you know, and, and, and you know, the Allman Brothers is synonymous to a lot of motorcycling in terms of the cruiser world. Rambling. And that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 So uh, sorry to see that one happen, and then another R.I.P. And this 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 one tends to die about every four or five years, anyways. Yeah. But uh, Eric Buell Racing, everything's going right. back on the block again, and it's all for sale. So uh, I don't know. I start to think there's some kind of scam going on. So does that mean you haven't put in your uh, your sealed bid uh, through the auction process? <laughs> Don't know where I'd put it all. Yeah, maybe you could put it in that Thailand plant for HD. I say, who knows? Hey, there. Now, why don't you just ship it all over right. there and start making some Harley Davidson sport bikes now? There's an idea. See? Hmm. Only on the Soundwriter show where you get that kind of advice. So hopefully you're listening out there, uh, HD. Um, you know, I was out at the dealers last week, and uh, it's my first time I'd seen the new Honda Rebel 300. Have you seen it yet? Not in person. It's totally cool. Go see it, it in person. Yeah. It's just a you know, little 300cc cruiser. If you think about what the Rebel 250s used to look like. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's good they finally kind of got them out of the market for a while. But they're back as 300s, and they did really nice styling on them. Uh, I sat on it. It feels fine, you know. It feels like a really good starter bike for somebody. And... um I don't know. You know, there's some cool stuff out at the out at the dealers. We'll talk about it more in the show. Yeah, 300 CCs though. I mean, you're right. That's it, well, it's, it's a starter bike. It is, but it's just so great to see that, right? To see yeah. that the Versys 300, the Rebel 300, the BMW 310. Like, it's great to see yeah, a little bit the of the Ninja 300, yep, absolutely. the KTM 390 Duke. Yep, which will probably you know uh, whack a couple vertebrae out of your back. Well, you know, one, but. beggars can't be choosers. So. <laughs> And and a bike like that too is is a great way to start off. And then when you go for resale on something like a Honda, yeah, you're gonna get a lot of your money back. Absolutely, yep, it'll stick around. So, so. it's uh, but again, it's great to see those three hundreds. I'll have to get out and uh, maybe I can get a chance to test ride one of these. That's this summer. I'd like to I'd like to get behind uh, the yoke on a Honda Rebel three hundred. Oh, we can set you up. Let's do it. We know a couple of Honda shops. That's right. Let's do it. All right. So, uh, yeah, speaking of riding this summer, we've got a lot on the calendar, and we're going to be right back with it. On the Sound Rider Show. Stick around. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in Issaquah, Washington. 
Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from. Whether you're shopping for a used sport bike, cruiser, dual sport, sport touring, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Hey, this is Bob Gerby from Gordon City Clothing, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Hey, this is Gary LaPlante from Dirt First, motorcycle rider training. And I must say, I really am enjoying the roads that you guys have here in Oregon between Portland and Hood River and around the event site at the Sound Rider Rally. So I was um, at the Bed Bath & Beyond store, and I got some new towels. Uh-huh. And the brand name of the towels was just awesome, and I thought somebody should make motorcycles called this this brand name. I can't wait to hear this. Wamasuda. Wamasuda Motorcycles. Yeah, you want to ride a Wamasuda? Out of Seattle, Washington. It's like a 300cc dual sport adventure bike. Wamasuda. Wamasuda Motorcycles and Towels. Suit up and ride your Wamasuda. That's right. <laughs> Linen and grinning. Uh, yeah, no, hey, I mean, if anyone's out there listening, it sounds like a, uh, sounds like a good idea. So I'll, I'll keep an eye out on the Sound Rider store for that first edition. Yeah. Yeah, we'll sell them right on Sound Rider because <laughs> they don't have them on Amazon yet, so we can sell them. That's right. Dealer direct. We'll be exclusive. Well, you know, from uh, flat track to keeping track of all the happenings here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, of course, we're going to roll into the calendar segment. And in June, you can better believe that, uh, I should say, you should better believe that there's going to be a lot of good stuff happening. And of course, we're here to keep you up to date. So soundwriter.com slash calendar or tune into the show every month like we know you do and listen to what we got going on here starting with Saturday the 3rd. We got the River to Ridge Dual Sport event, right? Yeah, so I saw the poster on this and uh, it had a a distinct warning on it. It was very obvious. It said, uh, this is not for adventure bikes or beginners. So it sounds like, uh, you know... We we know there's people out there who want the gnarly stuff. There and are. I think this is where you go and you get the gnarly stuff on, some, on June third. I, I like the way, the fact that they're uh, they're being upfront about that. But I guess the uh, the takeaway here is don't ride in on your uh, your 500 pound G or 600 pound GS 1200 and think that you're going to complete. The, I know. The Ain't going to happen. Dual I bet you out. they just walk over to you and tell you to leave. Yeah, get you're in out. The place. Get out. Well, where does this go from? What's the river and what's the ridge? Uh, this is up in uh, the uh, Chelan area. Okay. It's like Kashmir, Washington, maybe? Kashmir. Okay. Oh, so Kashmir, that's out uh, That's out uh, east of Leavenworth. Okay. Right. So, yeah. We got so, the, it must be the Mad River. And yeah. then I wonder if it goes up to the uh, ridge point. See, you'll have to go to find out because they don't tell you other than Kashmir. Right, it's all where very... it's going to be. But the, the 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 ridge up there would be the six thousand foot high area where you can uh, 
ride your motorcycle on. I know I know I can ride any bike I want on the Forest Service road right. there. Well, very secretive it sounds like, but obviously a good time out there and some beautiful scenery and hey, it's June if you haven't noticed, you know, it's time to get that bike out there and start riding. So Oh my god, if you haven't been riding yet, where have you been? Yeah, we haven't been listening to the Sound Rider show it sounds like, but <laughs> But a good time on the 3rd. That's Saturday the 3rd. And uh, there's also something else going on down in Oregon. we got the Black Dog Dual Sport on the 3rd and the 4th. So this is like is it like the 26th or 27th annual Black Dog, I think. No kidding. So uh, I'm going to be there. Norm's going to be there. Cool. I'm going to be uh, shooting photographs down there. Norm's going to be riding the routes. Uh, it looks like a good time. And uh, they've kind of expanded that event over the years. You know, they were pretty much just a gnarly dual sport thing for a long time and now you not only get roll charts but i'm told you can get gps routes too and there's an easy course and a and a gnarly course so uh looks like he's he's making it something for everybody down there. Well, that's cool you know it sounds like a good time and well that's odell oregon right and if you're uh yeah. if you're not down in odell or cashmere we also have uh, sort of the kickoff of the june flat track racing circuit if you're in castle rock washington so I found a really cool website. It's called nwflattrack.com. Cool. And they have all the dates for all the races. They have no details about any of them. Uh, they don't have links to anybody's website. What more do you like need that. to know, right? Yeah, but they have all the dates. So yeah. I went ahead and plucked in through everything and put it all up online and then took a look at how it looked. And so for uh, for June, we've got Flat Track Racing in Rainier on right. the 3rd of June. We've got it in Spokane on the 10th. We've got it up at Hannigan in the Bellingham area on the 17th. Uh, we've got it up in Merritt, B.C. also on the 17th. You've nice. been to Merritt, B.C.? I don't think that I ever have. So there's three flat track clubs, turns out, up in the B.C. area. And there's three different uh, tracks. And one of them is in Pemberton, the other one, the other, the, the, this Merritt one is in Merritt. Right. And if you've ever ridden a motorcycle between Pemberton and Merritt, mm -hmm. that is what is left of what is called the Death Highway. And how does a highway come to garner such a name? It killed a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> it was built years and years and years ago. It was, yeah. it was actually really. Deadly all the way from Vancouver all the way up to Merritt. And then when they did the Olympics at, at Whistler, right. they went ahead and straightened out a lot ah. of that road. But the old leftover remnants of that road lie between Pemberton and Merritt. So you can still hit some twisties out there. Yeah, but can you imagine hitting the, those tight twisties with a trailer full of flat track bikes? I think you'd probably want to uh, drop it down a few gears and go nice and slow. But uh, what the scenery has to be incredible, though. I mean, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it still has to yeah. be worth a ride. Yeah. yeah. I, the last time I was on it, somebody had uh, uh, rolled a uh, toy hauler. Oh, geez. And the whole side had come off of, of the toy hauler. Yeah. Really sad. Yeah, not what you want to see. But, you know, there's a lot of flat track racing going on, and you got Merritt BC on the 17th and then Spokane on the 24th. So. Yeah, so you could you could ride up to uh, – you could ride from Pemberton to Merritt and go see the flat track races and enjoy the road and then ride down to Spokane. Uh, and it's just never ending. When you look at the calendar, you know, for July, for yeah. August, September, it's rocking with flat track races. 
Sunday the 11th, out on Whidbey Island, they have the annual Island Cruise, which is put out by uh, put on by the Star Chapter. I believe their number is 154. Okay. And uh, Skagit Power Sports should have some information about that on their website. You can link to that from our calendar page. Always a good time. And have you ever taken uh, part in the Island Cruise out there? Or I do my own. Yeah. I don't want to go ride with it. With a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a big cruiser event. I got gotcha. you. So it's not up, up my personal alley. Well, group and, events anyway. Yeah, I can't imagine riding around Whidbey Island in a group myself. Yeah, but uh, you know, some people just don't want to ride alone. That's true. Yeah, well, I'm one of those guys who likes to ride alone. I'm so. with you. I like to ride alone as well. But every once in a while, you know, sometimes a little camaraderie can help. So if you're you're going to be on Whidbey Island on the 11th. Go and hit the island cruise, man. And they do use the back roads. You're not going to be out on the main highway the whole day. So there are some beautiful back roads back there. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful part of the world for sure. Uh, also on the 11th, Sunday, the Abate Motorcycle Swap Meet in Portland. I believe that's in Portland, isn't it? Uh, let's bring that up here. So we got the – yes, actually Oak Grove, Oregon technically. So I think that's just outside of the Portland area. I'm not sure where Oak Grove is. I know where Forest Grove is. <laughs> See, Derek's the only one who uses a computer around here. I'm That's one of those right. curmudgeons. I don't know. I don't know how to use so, a computer. Here, and... Here's what we got from the description: June 11th, from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. Swap meet starts at 9 a.m. Uh, at the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Elks Lodge, McLaughlin Boulevard, Oak Grove, Oregon. Nine seven two 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 zip code. Okay. Well, if you're in Oregon, if you're looking for an adventure, go and find out where Oak Grove is and report back to us so we can have that right next time around. And then starting on Monday, the uh, folks down at LeMay in Puyallup, not the one in Tacoma, but right. the LeMay Museum in Puyallup are starting their motorcycle week. And it does go on for a week. They'll be doing uh, different stuff every day all the way up to Father's Day. Wow. So, and so you can be guaranteed to see some great bikes down there. So if you're in the area. There's some cool stuff at that museum. Yeah. And if you ever go, make sure you get a docent to take you throughout the whole property. So that's like the secret trick, right? Because there's the sort of like a there's a museum within the museum. You yeah, really there's get a motorcycle. There's one room that'll have all the motorcycles in it, but there's car stuff everywhere. Right. And then there's also some vintage bikes in another building, but you'll never know how to get to them unless you get a docent. Yeah. So if you're a gearhead, you know, make sure you look out for that. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday the 13th, another MotoGP replay at the St. Andrew's Barn Grill in Seattle. So if you missed your MotoGP and you want to go watch it, it's free. Kind of like that. Now, you went down to one of those. You had a good time, right? You were there a couple of weeks ago, so good deal. It kind of just happened, and then it was over. It wasn't any hoopla or anything. Uh, Let's see. And then on Sunday, June 18th... uh, Boulder, Oregon, six-hour endurance race that's being put on by the Singfroid Riding Club. Um, probably most people here don't want to go watch a six-hour endurance race. You have to have your own endurance, right? But if you're thinking of being an endurance rider, right. then maybe you want to go watch this because, you know, yeah, we have 24-hour endurance races here at Eddyville. I was going to say, how do you think this works with a six-hour endurance race? I mean, are you – like, what's what's the route? What's the uh, what's the idea behind it? Well, that? this is at a track. Okay. So either you're going to be going around the track for six hours or it's a team of however many people on and off that same bike the whole time. Okay. 
Well, Actually, six, I like the Baja 500, Baja 1000. That's that's an endurance race. That is definitely sure. an endurance race, yeah. But I know that uh, at out at Eddyville, they actually have like a 100-mile-long course that they run for 24 hours. So just keep on looping that 100 miles, huh? And everybody who knows about that race knows that it's a soggy, <laughs> wet mess because they usually do it around Halloween. But right. they're actually bumping it up into the middle of October this year, crossing their fingers for better luck. A little bit better weather. Well, it'll be uh, it's something interesting to keep an eye out. And again, that's on the 18th if you're going to be down uh, – what, that's in McMinnville or just outside of McMinnville. Yeah. Cool. So then uh, Thursday the 22nd is the start of the – Hodaka Days in Athena, Oregon. We just talked about the museum that's yeah. coming together down there. So this is a fundraiser, too, that helps to raise money for that. And uh, you can go and hang out with all the Hodaka heads. There's got to be quite a few of them now, <clears throat> doesn't there? It seems like it's making uh, a little bit of a resurgence in popularity. At least I see more and more mentions of Hodaka. I think the they should just start the company up again. There we go. Why don't you just go buy all the EBR stuff, all the Eric Buell racing tools and right. parts and stuff, and just start making... Making those bikes under the Hodaka brand. Yeah, that and towels. Like, what is it? Wasuda? Yeah, I tell you, I what, should be that? making a million bucks a year with <laughs> ideas like this. Uh, Friday the 23rd down in John Day, Oregon, will be the Chief Joseph Rally. And it's also the start of an event that uh, Dan Muir pointed out to me called the Four Corners Ride. And there's more information about this Four Corners ride at the WSBMWR.com or .org website. Uh, you can you can start at the Soundwriter calendar page and get the link there. Right. Um, and so for that, what they this must be for retired people because basically uh, they have this Four Corners ride where you can go from one rally one weekend to the next rally the next weekend. Uh, up until you hit the four different rallies okay. in the sequence. Well, hey, either retired or quit your job, right? You get better things to do than I'll be out there riding a motorcycle. I can't quit my job. No. I have to make the show for people. Take your job with you. It's my gift live to from, the community. Live from the Four Corners, uh, the Sound Rider Show, right, next month. So we'll see if we can get that set up. Yeah, and if, <laughs> uh, if you're hankering for steak and potatoes, and hey, who isn't? Uh, how about on uh, June 24th, the Conkleville Steak and Potatoes Rally? Derek, take it away. Tell yeah, us all about right, it. Yeah, that's right, the Conkleville. So a rally just for fun and a beautiful ride. No structured runs or poker rides. Just beautiful country in the Clearwater River area in northern Idaho. So upon uh, return from your day, you will enjoy the best steak and baked potato you have ever eaten. Guaranteed? I think that's an implied guarantee there. So go on out there to, to pay the Conkleville. It does. It doesn't say if there's a price or not. I don't but, know if I get my money back if I don't like the steak. Well, I think. Uh, I think I'm grass fed. Yeah, yeah sure, I need grass not? fed. Yeah, mountain fed, grass fed, grain fed. They will give you whatever you want. So I want. I want. I want it uh, grass fed, grain finished. There we go. Yeah, nice little marbling. Fatten it end. up at the end, but yeah. I don't want any GMO in that grain. Well, you know, it doesn't get uh, too uh, too into that in the description here, but I'm sure the good people at uh, Conkleville will take care of you, right? And we know they got some good potatoes up there in Idaho. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Idaho is not the biggest potato producer in the United States. You know, I I, I mean, I, I have never thought about it, but uh, I guess that wouldn't surprise me. Square footage, right? Washington State. Oh, okay. Isn't that something? Well, where's the uh, potato board here in the state? What are we doing with all this tax money? Oh, we just sell most of them to McDonald's. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's Why the, do uh, we need a potato board? We're selling them all to <laughs> McDonald's. Maybe that's true. <laughs> 
All righty. But get hey, out we there have, to uh, Enjoy it. We have a very wonderful guest yeah. coming up. He's been with us before, and uh, we'll be right back. Support for SoundWriter and the SoundWriter Show is made possible in part by Linwood Motoplex, your gateway to motorcycling adventure in the Pacific Northwest. Choose from brands like Indian, KTM, BMW, Kawasaki, Victory, Yamaha, Can-Am, and more. Family owned and operated for over 25 years. Linwood Motoplex is your one-stop shop for fun. Hello, this is Paul Rogers with Henshaw's Motorcycle Store here in Auburn, Washington, and you are listening to the SoundWriter Show. Hi, I'm Carol, and I'm from Olympia, and one of my favorite pavement rides is Highway 47 from Klatskanai on south. Writers, we are back with the interview portion of the show, and uh, our gentleman, uh, the the gentleman who is joining us today, has been a guest on the show before, and uh, always filled with lots of great information. So let's all uh, welcome uh, Dave Richardson. Nice to have you back on the show again. Nice to be here. Hi, y'all. Dave Richardson, the international man. He is right. uh, he is one of the owners and uh, kind of the front of the house at Moto International here in Seattle. And I was down there last month looking at some of the bikes and realizing, oh, my God, the newest Moto Guzzi's and Afrias are some of the most beautiful bikes I've seen and Dave started to explain to me that pretty much everything got uh, restyled because they had to go to uh, the Euro 4 emission standards. Yeah, which really leads us to kind of a lot of questions. And I think uh, maybe something that a lot of riders are wondering about is what exactly is the Euro 4 emission standard? Because oftentimes Europe introduces these standards and then we see them a few years downstream here in the United States. So, Dave, maybe you can fill us in. Uh, what do you know kind of about the Euro 4 emission standard? Well, as Americans, of course, we don't like to think that uh, uh, what we get is based on what happens in Europe. Sure. But, um, they have a fairly stringent standard, and the U.S. has a fairly stringent standard. I think there's a socialism joke in there somewhere, oh, but I'll let that pass. There's a whole bunch of politics there, right. too, and we're not going to touch that one. Yeah. Uh, but re- regarding to the Euro 4 mm-hmm. emission standard, you're right, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, as an example, the last time a new standard came in Europe, it was called Euro 3. Obviously, they keep moving them ahead. Sure, a little linear. Like their world wars or something. Right. Uh, but the Euro 3 came along uh, in 2005, and like in our world, everything that was a Guzzi V11 Sport or V11 Le Mans disappeared at that time. Because those are the higher-end CC bikes, right? We're talking mm-hmm. over 1,000 CC. Yeah, and right. it just became that the the what had to happen to make them legal um, – pretty much wiped all those models out, and it was quite a, a, a retraction of our, our model selection for a while until it was rebuilt. And what I see this year is probably the most new engineering I've seen from Piaggio, which would be our parent company, sure. Aprilia and Guzzi, in a single year. And it, I, what I find is interesting is we'll go through it, and you'll see that um, the, the new standard requires new um, uh, engineering, 
but based on when a bike was developed in the first place, it may have already been built with this in mind, and it may have been made so it's easily adaptable. Right. And then other bikes either have to be, because they're older, either dropped altogether or have some major changes done to them. And we have seen uh, quite a few changes in, like, the engine design and that sort of thing. But overall, it seems like um, not really to the detriment. What, what would you say as far as, you know, Moto Guzzi and Piaggio are concerned with this standard? Do you feel like, I mean, overall, the, the final outcome has been positive for motorcycles or, or negative? Well, I think that from the engineering people, they think it's terrible, but they've managed to do it in such a way that the, the, the results really are pretty darn positive. Yeah, mm-hmm. because, I mean, we're seeing similar sort of like horsepower output, mm-hmm. uh, some better fuel economy in some cases. I, I think that's one of the things that I haven't seen it yet because it's been too new. I'm waiting for some customers to give me feedback, but I think we actually will see better gas mileage because of it. Right. But what we do see is bikes will get heavier because one of the main things they have to do is to meet the standard, they have to have much larger catalytic converters, which means bigger mufflers. Sure. And a catalytic converter means a lot of heat, which means the muffler has to have more layers and more heat shielding so it doesn't burn the heck out of you. Does that mean that there's more stuff to drill out of it when you get the bike home? Hey, you know, that, that's, that's not legal, so we're not talking about that. Uh, and then, you know, the whole exhaust system becomes heavier, and, you know, the bikes will become heavier because of it, too, and mufflers will... Uh, lose their svelte look and become big and bulbous again. And right. Well, there'll be maybe some opportunity, though, for some aftermarket accessories to kind of maybe modify the design while still incorporating those similar Euro 4 standards, do you think, down the road? or? Well, you know, that's, you know, that's the interesting subject because any change to an exhaust system that has not been approved by EPA over here or Euro, Euro 4 in Europe sure. is not legal for street use. But, of course, every time you hear a bike go down the street, you're hearing a bike that doesn't comply. It's, right. it's a cultural acceptance in this country that motorcycles can be loud. It's not legal, but it's done. I don't accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the culture, but you're absolutely right there. What outside of uh, you know some of the changes to the engines and the Cadillac converters and the uh, you know the exhaust system that goes along with that, have we seen anything else that has changed that's pretty significant? Well, the most significant thing that I can cite, and I read this in the magazine. I'm sorry I don't have the uh, citation for you. but We'll let it slide. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. As long as not the right people are listening. Right. But um, um, I read that Honda, when they're faced with a new standard for a certain market, so in this case Europe, will go to the European importers and say, okay, you guys have to fund the uh, uh, the engineering and tooling to make ah. a replacement model. Mm. So the 600 four-cylinder sport bike for Honda was going to need a complete revamp, and that market used to be huge in, in, in both U.S. and in Europe. But uh, since the Depression, it's shrunk tremendously, and Honda just said, hey, there just ain't enough money to do it. We're dropping it. And that's just astounding to us. So they're dropping the CPR 600 for Europe totally? Exactly. Wow. So it's really amazing that, I mean, and you talk about just the length of time that these effects, not even just Euro 4, but, you know, going back to what was probably whatever, Euro 1, these sort of changes can really have sort of a butterfly effect. I mean, long downstream, it sounds like, especially on maybe changing some of the models that come over to the United States here. Do you see more globally, even outside of, you know, Moto Guzzi, um, do you see some new models that are starting to be imported that are reflective of this Euro 4 standard, or...? Um, too too early for me, and yeah. I don't have enough of a worldly view, I guess. But, sure. But yeah, you have to say that 
you know, something like Honda not making that 600, that means that when they re-engineer the bike next time, they'll see less market because it'll be just for the U.S. and, and places like that. And, and it just all is kind of a snake eating its tail, I say. Right. We've seen a lot of 300s come into the country in the last two or three years. Is that part of this Euro 4 deal? Because they had all, all had to go make these smaller CC bikes for Europe? Yeah, I don't think so, but I don't know. And, and though, to me, this was very reminiscent of the uh, end of the great downturn in the motorcycle business in the mid-1980s, that the Japanese manufacturers started just putting feelers out, trying to find where is the market, because what well, they knew from spot. before didn't exist anymore. And uh, and. Luckily, they were smart enough. I mean, it started really with Kawasaki and Honda, to well, Honda first, to uh, introduce new riders into the sport. That's what we needed. Mm-hmm. You know, it was nicest people on a Honda in the early 60s. It was scooters in the early 80s, and it's the 250-300s now. Well, we, we've got a KTM 390, and we got a BMW 300. Yeah, 310, right. Uh, do you hear any rumblings from Gucci or from uh, Proya about coming to market with any 300s? No, but um, I think most dealers don't hear rumblings anyway because manufacturers don't tell us because we're all blabbermouths. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to get the word out, right? you got to let people know what to expect is, uh, is coming to the showroom floor. Well, in, in industry talk, it would be that what you're telling about that doesn't exist yet is distracting people from buying what you have today. So that's why they don't tell us much. Right. Do we know, is there a Euro 5 emission standard that's already in the works? I mean, is this a pro- – it sounds like it's sort of a progressive stair-step maneuver to – maximize fuel economy and limit emissions do you know anything if there's a euro five out there that's already on the books that we're waiting to see you know implementation in 2022 or whatever it may be yeah i don't think they look that far ahead and we can say that um let's look at the past if if euro three went into effect in 2005 and euros four was uh uh, legislated in 2013 that gives us an idea maybe about a decade or so yeah well it's you know it'll be interesting to see because i mean how how much further can you push it, and will it be even a crossover with electric motorcycles? Do you have any take on what you think the future of electric motorcycles are? Well, boy, there's a real question. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I thought that um, things like gasoline engines were just becoming a thing of the past, and then we had an election, and now I kind of think like, well, you know. That's true, yeah, at least here in the United States, right? Mm-hmm. But with manufacturing being done, you know, predominantly overseas for motorcycle brands, with the exception of Harley-Davidson. and uh, What are you talking about? They're opening up a Thailand manufacturing plant. Uh, Harley-Davidson is? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a good one for tourists, I guess. Huh? Harley's shown an electric bike. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen some spectacular presentations at Piaggio dealer meetings. Here's a company that considers themselves in personal transportation all around the world. Right. So there's solar-powered, electric-powered uh, gasoline powered. I, I don't. Uh, well, I saw a hybrid years ago from them too. Sure. So anything is is really possible, and just sees how the trends go. Yeah, you know it'll be interesting too. I mean, even you think about uh, like zero motorcycle. I guess here is electric, right? Maybe that could be a pioneer. Who knows? Someone like Tesla. You never know. They get the battery technology right, and uh, that's that, the big thing. This yeah. Battery. And and I've talked to people at Piaggio who have told me we're waiting for the next big step in order to be able to do an electric vehicle effectively right and to me uh, nothing against zero i don't understand their market i think they're very successful and all that sure but the most 
obvious smart thing to build an electric with a two-wheeler would be a scooter because an electric vehicle is always going to be limited on its range. Mm. And what has a more defined distance of of of, uh, of driving than a scooter in a commuting situation? Yeah, I mean, it seems like you're right. That would be a logical first step, right? How about an electric servicar? Got to give you room for all the batteries, right? You, you go right ahead, Tom. You get 300 <laughs> miles on that. And I'm told that the reason that the that the the uh, zero companies like that make a little motorcycle is that that's really where the the, the first responders are. Uh, so the trendsetters are kind of you know taking taking the brunt of maybe that higher par- higher priced initial rollout and kind of funding the next generations of more mass consumerism. Sure, and that's right. why Tesla goes after kind of an upper end kind of a yeah, customer. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could see that as sort of, you know, business 101. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, maybe back to what's going on in the Moto Guzzi world. I know uh in sort of lockstep with this uh, Euro 4 emission standard, but also just in sort of the spirit of innovation, they're rolling out a lot of new and really beautiful models. Uh, maybe we come back on the other side of the break. We can talk about some of the new stuff down at Moto International and uh, also the silver anniversary that's coming up on the Sound Rider show. Indeed, it sounds good. Hello, this is Joey from Joey's Moto Dump and Junkyard on Maury Island in beautiful British Columbia. One of my favorite rides is in Washington from Mappin to Big Colton on the Glade Road. I like to just drop the throttle and let it roll. But right now, I'm listening to the Sound Rider Show. On the Soundwriter Show, and we're talking about uh, the new Moto Guzzi's, the new Aprilia's. And I got to say, I walked in the showroom and I saw some of the most beautiful motorcycles yeah. that I've seen in a long time. And I said to myself, if I was going to buy a new bike right now, and I was just going to buy it just based on style, yep. I, it, the uh, my personal preference is the V7. Yes. And if I was going to buy a road burner, I'd probably buy the Stelvio. Hmm. Both gorgeous motorcycles, and not, and I think they're both great motorcycles too. But you're right. I mean, I'd like to just set one in my living room and just kind of, you know, look at myself in the chrome tank every once in a while. That was my personal favorite down there. Is that V73 with the chrome tank and the brown leather seat? I mean, I really, I don't think I've ever seen a bike that I admired more just as a stock bike off the showroom floor. That is seriously a work of art there. So Well, sure. that's, that's the reason we put it on the end of the road so everyone can see it. Yeah. It's a anniversary edition because the Guzzi's with the cylinders sticking out the side is something they call the V7 series, and this does mark the 50th year that those have existed. Which is the V7 III, that's, that's new, the V7 III, right? Well, they brought back the name in 2009 and okay. applied it to what we call small twins, which are smaller, lighter bikes than what the, the big block engines that uh, had been the, the origin of the V7 series. So, so they're not actually 700 cc's? Uh, no, they're 750. Right. I, okay. I, I've had a few people come in and say, uh, V7 
seven. So is that uh, seven cylinders? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. You can run them in a no. plane or use them in your motorcycle. That's right. Matter. Yeah. Well, and, radial <laughs> engine. Yeah. And by the same token, people put, look at our new V nine series and they say, "Are those nine hundreds?" And I say, "Well, they're eight fifties, but they really couldn't call them V 8s <laughs> Right. Ah, <laughs> uh, true. But the uh, we've got so there's the V seven two, right? The V seven two stone. I actually I test rode one of those down at your uh, dealership a couple of years ago, which I thought was just a great overall motorcycle that nice little v-twin you could feel a little back and forth rock when you're at the standstill and the v73 is kind of a natural extension of that but they also have is it the v is the v9 is that the where the bobber is now right so yeah um you know any manufacturer wants to take something that comes out and is successful and say how do we build on this sure so the v9 series was purposely making something that's a different displacement and a different style of bike so they're a little more cruiserish and the v7s are a little more of a sportish kind of bike. Right. And what I find that's really great about the V9 is I get, um, well, I'm not going to call them older because I am too. Let's say mature customers. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they might be feeling like it's a little difficult to hold up their really big cruiser bike anymore. Sure. So this is a cruiser that's, you know, gosh, it's under 450 pounds dry. It's a really light little bike. They're really torquey. I mean, the power will, They're will a surprise lot of fun. people. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, you know, like we're going to put one together and make a little kind of a cruiser tour out of it and say, you know, uh, here's here's an alternative for you. Nice. So some saddlebags on it and mm-hmm. uh, maybe a windshield as well or a windscreen. Oh, exactly. Great. Yeah, a few other and, things too. And some of the paints that they're using this year, see, I'm, I'm just going to tell the listeners right now, you got to go to the dealer and at least look at these bikes because yeah. they did, what, four different flat colors on the V7s? They did like a flat blue, a flat orange, and a flat green. Right. Tom, it's radio. You can't describe colors. <laughs> I know. I know. You, 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 you can't look at it on the internet and know what it looks like. You have to be standing next it's to true. it. And, and uh, I think that kind of paint you would never use any wax on that, right? Well, th- this goes to more than just styling. It's also engineering. I've really got the impression in the last couple of years that uh, product development people at Piaggio doing Aprilia and Guzzi are much more attentive and doing more for feedback with customers. Uh, a few years ago, I was taken all the way to Italy on a uh, focus group to to review three new models, and that was the MGX21 big cruiser from Guzzi and the two V9 models. And that sounds very extravagant, but uh, um, they wanted to spend the money and get the uh, opinions of people. We had several people from the U.S., not just dealers, some custom builders and that, and then there's a group of dealers separately from Europe and a group specifically from Italy. So I was really impressed with this kind of effort. And and that reflects in what you see because the the styling isn't that much different than we had before, but it's much more eye-catching and it really, really yeah. does grab people. It does. It blows Definitely. you away. Well, you know, you mentioned the MGX21 briefly. Now, is there a demo program that I understand? Well, let, let's tell the listeners. The MGX21 is the bagger mm-hmm. of Moto Guzzi. Right. If you're looking for a bagger and you don't want to be a lemming and get the one that everybody else is getting – this bike is very cool. It's got a lot of carbon fiber parts on it. Uh, and, again, you can look at it online, but when you stand in front of this bike, you're looking at you're looking at a piece of art that you won't see very it's often true. out there. Well, and then you mentioned about demos. I mean, we've always done demos, and not every, every dealer does demos. But um, what has happened in this last year is that the U.S. importer for Aprilian Guzzi really stepped up on this program. They said, look, we want you to have a demo every quarter for every displacement and model of bike. And and this is what changed. It used to be that we could not sell a demo 
for a minimum of three months or six months or a certain number of miles. Now they say three months or 250 miles, whichever comes first. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So I actually had to open up a whole page on our website just to show the demos because we have so many demos and, and they're kind of uh, revolving. It's not just you know one that I'm going to have until... October and then offer it. Uh, yeah, they're they're available all year. So that also means that for people who uh, are looking to save a little money, you know, there might be four, five, six, seven hundred dollars off on one of these. So these will rotate into your Hot Deal Bikes page. Yeah, exactly. And that means they'll be on our Hot Deal Bikes page. There yeah. you go. Okay. Nice, nice segue, Tom. Right. But, but beyond that, it means that instead of me taking a bike that may not really be a demo, it's just a bike I have in stock and I don't want to get many miles on, instead I have an incentive and I say to people, please come in and ride this bike. We need to get some miles on this thing. And in particular, the MGX-21. Um, the introduction of that bike was done at Sturgis last year, and Motoguzi showed up at you know a place that they've never really been as a manufacturer before, and they showed up in force, and they had, I think, 13 bikes that uh, they were inviting people to ride. Wow. And then afterwards, we bought a couple of them. So I have them at more than a normal um, um, demo price because oh. these are actually bikes with something around 1,000 miles on And that's a selling point right there. You can say, this bike has been to Sturgis. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I understand Sturgis is the little Italy of South Dakota. I don't know if anybody knows that or not. It is now anyway. So, and so in uh, particular, that's a bike that we really like to get people on. Be, yeah. You know, and what I realize is that you know, people that ride other cruisers have no experience with Harleys, and my, my Guzzi customers have no experience with cruisers. So either way... Um, you know, we can talk about a bike, but in the end, I'm going to rattle some keys in front of you and say, go ride the darn thing. And that's what it's all about. And speaking of that, you know, and on these demo program bikes, as someone who updates, you know, your Hot Deal bike pages with Soundrider, there are oftentimes some incredible deals to be found there. So I encourage people to check, you know, either on Soundrider or your website frequently to see that. And I think, you know, to get you out of here on this, that speaks to the success of Moto International as a dealership. I mean, we're talking silver anniversary, 25 years coming up in July, right? Yeah, I can hardly believe it myself. But, yeah. Um, we are having a uh, big demo truck here from Aprilia and Guzzi on July 29th. Um, this is the first time we've announced that this is coming. It'll be on our website soon. We, of course, do demos all the time, but it's a little more special when a truck comes from the company. Um, some of my customers, they would like to ride bikes that uh, they're not necessarily looking to buy, but they don't want to put miles on our bikes. Well, this is your chance to put miles on someone their, else's. Their bikes. Yeah, 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 a good feel for it. And yeah. then besides that, you know, we're going to have food and drinks and contests and things like that. And because it'll be a crowd pleaser, there'll be a lot of people there. So it's more of a chance to talk to other people about the bikes and, you know, it's just kind of a good time. Yeah. So if you're here in the Seattle area, you know, Moto International is just up on uh, Aurora Ave here in 99. And if you're not, you know, at least check out the website to get a good uh, idea of some of these uh, demo program bikes and to see the new miles. And if you're listening from outside of the area, take a road trip to Seattle. If you're looking at uh, a day like today, blue skies and what, maybe 75, 78 degrees, there's no better place in the world to be than uh, here. It sounds like you're ending this up right now, and I don't think I'm done yet. Okay, we don't see you Neither am I. Uh, you <laughs> have taken a number of your, uh, I think they're, they're um, late model bikes, and dolled them up with some accessories, right? Well, yeah, but, you know, any dealer can, you know, take a bike and put accessories on it, but we tried to take that in a little different uh, directions than would be normal. So there's a whole page on our website that we call Moto International Special Editions. Yeah. So uh, here's some examples. Um, the <clears throat> Guzzi uh, V7 Racer 
for years came with a chrome gas tank. Well, I always thought that was a little weird. What's chrome doing on something called a racer? Sure. Well, the idea of it was that Guzzi wanted to produce a cafe racer that looked like a, an old 70s homemade project where, where the centerpiece of your creation would be a hand-hammered British cottage industry aluminum gas tank. So this is trying to look like a polished aluminum gas tank. Right. And it was popular, but we kind of felt like, well, they've kind of run that thing too many years. So starting in 2016, they did a different paint job, and quite honestly, it wasn't as popular. So we said, well, what the heck? Well, if people want the chrome tank, you know, here is for just a few hundred dollars more the same bike with the chrome gas tank. And at the same time, I look at it and I say, well, gee, all the rest of the body work is flat black. What if we put a flat black tank on there? So we, nice. we came up with what we call the racer bright and the racer dark. And then the other things are like... Adventure touring riders, you know, it seems like one of the dreams is to have a bike where you've got two sets of wheels with your tires and your brake discs all set mm-hmm. up so you can have your everyday street stuff and then you got something for, for a, a really adventure ride. Absolutely. Yeah, so we have a Stelvio we call Stelvio Backcountry. It has a few other accessories too, but for $1,500 you're getting the wheels, the tires, the brake disc, a trunk, uh, hot grips, and a few other things. You know. And the, and the Stelvio is... Like Tom mentioned earlier, is one of the most beautiful bikes out there. Especially, I can I can only imagine touring the country on that, and you get both sets of tires. I mean, you wouldn't bring them both with you, probably, but it just be it just looks like a gorgeous bike. I don't know how that stacks up, you know, to some of the other adventure tours. But the other one I like that they have is the Kaplanards. The new Kaplanards are beautiful. For the Aprilias, yeah. Yeah, and this is fun for us because it's the first time that we've seen Piaggio compete with themselves. Uh, when we had an old adventure touring bike in the early 2000s from Guzzi called the Quota, it was discontinued right when the Kaplanord's original bike came out, and then the Kaplanord was discontinued right when the Stelvio came out. So I figured, okay, these guys obviously don't want to compete with themselves, but now they have one of each, and it's been fun to have riders ride them both because uh, they appeal in very different ways. The right. Aprilia is more refined, more high-tech, electronic adjustable suspension, things like that. Uh, and it appeals to a different kind of a guy. And, and as, as I've always said with adventure touring bikes, look, they're all compromised between two extremes. And the one you choose is really based on where on the continuum from street to off-road you want to be. And the thing I see in the Caponard is I see a little bit of reflection of the Futuras. Well, I hope in so. In the style. Yeah. And it's the closest to a sport touring bike we have right now. Yeah. Uh, a former rep from Aprilia... Um, told me that he had had various sport bikes, Aprilia RSV4s, RSV twins, Tuono, Tuono V4. And he said, well, gosh, when I finally got on this new Kaponord, you know, it's not going to be the bike on the track that those other bikes were, but on the street it's as sporty as I need to be, and it's comfortable, and yeah. I could take my wife on the back, and my gosh, it's got saddlebags too. So it was really the everything bike for him. I really feel like as a used bike too, that's one of the best values out there. I mean, I see some incredible deals on Kaponards that are five or six years old. And it seems like, you're right, they can do just about everything you want out there. Well, and that's a good example of this uh, whole Euro 4 thing. This is a bike that was developed before Euro 4 was really conceived. So the new version that will comply with that may be in Europe. But what we get this year is nothing but the same bike we got last year in a new color. So as soon as I heard that, I bought up all the 2016s I could because, you know, hey, you're going to pay a lot more for the fact that the new one's gray instead of a yellow or a green. Right. So, yeah, yeah these are the ones to get. 
That's beautiful. Pulling it full circle right back to the beginning of the interview there with Euro 4, huh? And trying to do the segue, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and similarly, we look at the new V4s from Aprilia. Yeah. They um, were marvelously re-engineered last year. The Tuono grew from 1,000 to 1,100. The RSV4 grew from 185 to 201 horsepower. Right. And all kinds of other things, too. And, you know, quite frankly, I th- I'm used to thinking with a European manufacturer when you get a remake of a bike, it's going to be about the same for maybe three years or so. Sure. But here we turn around the very next year, and all of our V4s got uh, the same horsepower. Um, they got improved suspension. They got bigger brake discs. The Tuono got the uh, M50 um, Brembo calipers for the first time. Um, there's this new TFT instrument panel, which I have to laugh with all the technical improvements on the bike. The thing that most people seem to be excited about is the instrument panel. But once I saw it, I went, wow. I mean, this was one of the few bikes that just stunned me how technical and how refined and how well thought out it was. So, yeah, really, really big things. Well, to, you know, get down there and to see some of the Euro 4 changes, to see some of the special editions, to take part in the demo program. or Check to, out that beautiful paint. Yeah, or to celebrate the silver anniversary, 25 years of Moto International on July 29th. Just head on down to Seattle here in, uh, or to Aurora here in Seattle or www.motointernational.com. Dave Richardson, Moto International, friend of Soundrider. Always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for taking the time on the Thanks Soundrider for coming show. Out. Happy to be here, and uh, don't wait for July 29th. Uh, we do demos and everything any other day, too. That's right. Come on down anytime. Moto International, Dave Richardson on the Soundrider show. We'll be right back with some tips and tricks. Support for the Soundrider show is provided in part by... The MotoFit Group, providing track days in both Oregon and Washington. The MotoFit Group helps riders experience the next level of their riding abilities and takes them to the zone where the bike and rider become one. Find out more or sign up for a track day today at themotofitgroup.com. Hi, this is Whitney Caberly from Dirt Bike Safety Training, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Hi, this is Chris from uh, Seattle. I live in the Maple Leaf District. And I ride a uh, R1200 GS Adventure, and I love it. It's my favorite bike. And my favorite ride is anything uh, Sasquatch. Back in studio on the Sound Rider Show, and what a great, great interview with Dave Richardson of Motor International. So another thanks to Dave. Um, and of course, you know, we give you a lot of information in that interview, but we never here on the Sound Rider Show, especially in the summertime, we never would leave you without some tips and tricks. You know, Dave is a great ambassador to motorcycling. He is. In yeah. the Pacific Northwest. And you know, Moto Guzzi used to make a bike called the Ambassador. Did they really? So I think they probably named it after Dave. Right. Maybe they should bring that back under the Euro 5 standard when that comes in another decade or so. But yeah, thanks to Dave. <laughs> Uh, great guy and a great dealership here too. They always take care of uh, take care of their customers. So if you're in the Seattle area, go and check them out. But back to these tips and tricks. Now it's June, and the listeners, Tom, they're expecting a big one from you. I got a one for June. All right, let's Especially, hear it. Especially okay. So you know yeah. how it's been raining so much this year. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you have like um, uh, plants that are in flower beds, 
you know, it hasn't rained much in the last three weeks. Right. So if you have plants that are in flowers beds, just because it rained all this this winter doesn't mean there's any water left in that outside flower bed. That's true. Right? Yeah. Oh, hang on a second here. This Uh-oh. is uh, not this is not the Seattle Gardening no. dot com yeah. show. I was it? wondering where we were going with this. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. This is this is a soundwriter right. show. Okay, okay. I thought you were talking about, about trying to smuggle something that's been legalized here across the border in your flower pots on your motorcycle. No, but, I just want to make okay. sure that people's mints and sage and stuff don't start. You know, drying up. But it's the wrong show. No, it is mint and sage season, so, though, so I can yeah, see so, where the confusion came. Okay. But maybe motorcycle-specific. Okay, let yeah. me come up with one. Okay, okay, here's one. On the fly. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, you know you need new tires, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And one of the wonderful things to do when you put new tires on your bike, because your wheel's off, yep. is change the bearings out. Uh, if you look in your service manual, chances are there's nothing in your service manual that says that you should change your wheel bearings every 20,000 miles. Right. So if you've never changed them before, uh, I can guarantee you if you've had them in there for 20,000 miles, your, your, your steering's a little bit shaky. Yeah. Rear wheel might be a little bit shaky. And just enough, you'll notice it. So what you want to do is order up a set of wheel bearings at the same time that you get your tires on order. Yeah. And so they're, they're all waiting for you when you take it in to get the new tires put on. It would be like a brand new bike when you get it those It feels just like it. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you wash a car, it feels like a brand new car. Oh, it does. You put the new wheel bearings in, it feels like a brand new bike. Yeah. Because I never wash my bike. So. Right. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often for me either. But that's a great point. You know, while you've got... When you have things disassembled like that, you should do all that stuff at once rather yeah. than keep wasting or the time. Or maybe to... if you need a new chain and sprocket, too. Yeah. You know, you got you got the thing half half disassembled already. That's so. a good point. Yeah. Great tip. So that that is a uh, that's a big one. And I still like the gardening one, too. Wherever you're going with that, maybe we can get to that. I'll save show, that but... one for the Seattle okay, Dining right. Show, and we'll use it in terms of herbs. There you go. <laughs> well, my, uh, my tip this month comes by way of a uh, sticker. That I saw on a, uh, a gentleman's paneer um, while I was out driving my car, but uh, I thought this was a great tip, and that tip is uh, don't ride naked. Good yeah, tip. I, I think uh, – And there's a lot of people I noticed on Memorial Day weekend. There's a lot of people riding around with shorts and flip-flops. Well, I think that it's uh, worldly advice. You know, sometimes in the summertime here, we uh, we have an inclination to start shedding layers. But the research, of course, always shows that that doesn't actually make you cooler. What makes you cooler is airflow. So, you know, That's right. get some good gear, open up the vents, uh, you know, maybe lower the zipper on your jacket a little bit. Um, but make sure that you're out there wearing appropriate gear, even on hot days. And just keep in mind, stay hydrated, stay moving, and you'll stay cool. Have so. we talk, I don't know if we talked about this on the show, about what happens to your body when it's naked, uh, when you're riding around. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Now we're going or, to or, or, you know, let's be real. If you're riding around in a T-shirt. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so you wick all the moisture yep. that's coming out of your body away, and now your body can't actually cool down. Right. Because it doesn't have any way to transport the heat off. The way it, it gets it off is through sweat. Yep. If you don't have any sweat, you're going to overheat 
bad. Yep. So it's a, uh, it's a, it seems a little counterintuitive at first, but you should always be out there in gear and just know know how to manage your your internal temperature and be really self aware, especially on really hot days. Yeah, um, I thought you were screwing around with me when you first said that, but now no. you know yeah. it all makes sense. We'll bring it back around, right? We're seasoned <laughs> professionals here on the Sound Rider Show, but uh, you know, just keep that in mind. Definitely, like I said, we're hitting the uh, peak riding season, so we want you to uh, you know be safe out there and enjoy enjoy the ride. We want you to be safe. We want you to listen to this show yeah. every month. Yep. Twice and we want you, you to. to, whenever you're not writing, we want you to be listening to this show. You just play it over and over again. That's right, on a loop. But uh, thanks for joining us for the June show, and we will be ne- back next month probably with the July show. Huh? With the July show, only on Sound Rider. The Sound Rider show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.